Hi, Barbie. Are we going to geek out today? <laughs> yes, we're going to geek out today. Welcome back. So obviously we're not both Barbie. Um, this is Mel. This is Jill. And we're going to talk about the Barbie movie today and it's going to be super fun. But before we jump in, uh, Jill, what was your childhood experience with Barbie? I was not a big Barbie person. I usually just, uh, lost most of their clothes, fought with my sister about their shoes and used them to hit my brother. I know I was a violent child. I'm sorry, brother. Um, I mean, I did have Barbies. I played with Barbies, but I, I'll be honest. I think my sister had more of them than I did. And I was, I got to a point in my life where I very intentionally wanted to split myself from my sister. So when she really got into Barbies, I purposely moved on. So, (laughs) which was not a very nice thing to do, but I did, I did play with them quite a bit and I got a lot of the collector Barbies over the years. So, I mean, she was definitely a part of my childhood. So same, uh, definitely like played with them. I didn't have any collector Barbies. I did have the ocean friends one, which she was the one that had like, if you put her under hot water, her legs turned black because she had like a wetsuit on. Oh yeah. And she came with the, with the, orca like a little toy orca and then ken came with this with this dolphin that you could make this noise with oh what yes and i ha- so i had the barbie and the ken and you could go on the internet look up the ocean friends ken dolphin noise and it it's insane okay i'm gonna ha- i am gonna have to look this up i did uh, that really sounds familiar i want to say there was some kind of plastic orca that my sister may have had. I distinctly remember her having teacher Barbie. Like I remember the chalkboard and stuff like that. And I'm pretty sure she had a house as well, but I remember they, they briefly showed this Barbie at the beginning of the movie, the, that she was in this like pink tight mini dress and it was like swirly tie-dye and she had long ass hair all the way down to her feet and I distinctly remembered that Barbie um there were a few in there that I saw the skipper and the Mm -hmm. dogs and the mermaids which I can't remember like the name of the actual Barbie but we definitely had mermaid Barbies as well some that you would like put in the water and there was like some kind of color change whether that was their hair or their skin or whatever yeah I think we grew up in a good time of Barbie because like I mean she had really cool shoes and outfits that she did she did uh do we do we want to jump in to talking about Barbie. Yes. And I'm, I'm gonna, I want to start yeah. off in a, in a slightly different place, probably than where you intended to start. Wonderful. Did your mom play with Barbies? I, so my mom is a, was born in 1949. So she was kind of, 
pre she wasn't really a kid when Barbie got big Mm -hmm. in the 1960s. She was a teenager. So, no, she didn't really play with Barbies. Okay. So my mom was born in 58. So this was like prime Barbie target because she had some of the original Barbies. So she gave. Wow. Yeah, she gave us some of them at, at some point in our childhood. I don't really remember them all. Like I, but there were a few that she had left over. There was a flood in her house, like when she was growing up. So a lot of her stuff got like destroyed. So I I vaguely remember a Barbie having like water stained clothing, but I remember her having a few for sure. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah, so my mom was just too old. Sorry, no, mom. I just kind of thought that they were around the same age, so I was, that's why I asked that question. Yeah, my mom had me really late in life. She had all three. I have two older siblings. She had all of us kind of late in life because that's when she met my dad. Mm-hmm. So it it worked yeah. out. Uh, but do you want to do you want to yeah, jump in? Definitely. Can I can I geek out a little bit just yes. to kind of this is not going to be about anything relevant to much of it, but. I was a film major in college, so I have to talk about the Kubrick references. So Stanley Kubrick is a really famous uh, director. He directed a lot of things like the you will will know, like 2001 Space Odyssey, The Shining. People know who Kubrick is. Um, so I just wanted. To, so obviously, I think the first immediate one that's easy to find is the entire opening sequence of Barbie is an homage to the opening sequence of 2001 A Space Odyssey, which is sort of telling the history of mankind. I saw a side-by-side, and it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It was spot on, point on. Yeah, and it, I think it's just such a great way to introduce this story and take this piece of pop culture that is so well-referenced already and so well-understood, even if people don't know that it that is from... 2001 Space Odyssey, they know that mm-hmm. reference, they know that music cue, they know they're familiar with that and it was such a great way to kind of level the playing field and to use such a powerful male director's iconic scenes in such a female heavy, feminist heavy film was just chef kiss. It great, I loved it. Amazing. Uh, and, and, and like that whole scene in the Kubrick film is about like the dawn of time and then it's the dawn of time of women and, and the changing experience of women when the introduction of Barbie happened. It was just, uh, good job, Greta. Good job. Um, the, the next one is going to be the boardroom scene. The first time like we see the boardroom for Mattel and they're like, oh no, Barbie's out. Uh, that is a direct reference to Dr. Strangelove, which is another Kubrick film. I didn't get amazing. I didn't get that one. It's not his most popular. I really love it, but it, unless you're a film geek, you may not know Dr. Strangelove. And then the last one, I feel like slid a little bit under the radar. I even had to like, did I catch this thing correctly? Am I, or am I just crazy? So there's a shining reference. So the, I think everybody knows who the shining, what the shining is, but when Gloria and Barbie are having that conversation and Sasha's like, are you guys shining? That's not just weird Gen Z vernacular. That's a direct reference to the shining 
because in The Shining, they say that to each other to, to refer to when they're like telepathically talking to each other. Can I admit something? Yes. I've never seen The Shining. Well, I guess we have another episode Listen, of the podcast I, okay, to but do. I, I scare easily and I don't like that kind of stuff. So I don't know if I want to see it. There, I've seen pieces, obviously, but mm-hmm. the it it just seems a little creepy for me. I don't know if I can handle that. It is. I'm also not like a, like I like horror films, but I like very specific horror films and the shining I do like because it's good storytelling Mm -hmm. just happens to be scary. It's very psychological. It's not like jump scare. I feel like it is jump scare. (laughs) I mean, there's some jump scare. scare. I've seen the jump scare. But it's not, it's not like Saw or any of those kinds of jump scare movies or like gory movies. Okay. We'll see. Maybe. Um, And then just, just one last point to talk about crazy nerdy film stuff before we move into like the actual meat of this story is just the utter character assassination of the Godfather. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Can I tell you, I cackled when that when that line came across the screen because I cannot tell you I, that has to be a universal female experience because I was not the only woman laughing out loud, very loudly, at that line. So I didn't realize that that experience existed outside of film school. Oh God, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. But, like, when you're in film school, you have to act like you care. Like, it is the best film (laughs) ever to exist. And, like, don't get me wrong. Godfather is the first Godfather. I'm not going to talk about the sequels because I have controversial feelings about those. The first Godfather film is a good film. Mm -hmm. It won an Academy Award for a reason. Is it the best film ever to be made? Arguably, no. Because Citizen Kane exists. But, like other things exist but it just seems to be this it's like people's first introduction to like higher brow filmmaking yeah and Francis Ford Coppola I don't know I again I've seen pieces of it I just don't care to see it if the pacing is very I see, slow and I I have a hard time with that like if the pacing is going to be slow I better be absolutely riveted. And I, it doesn't happen often. So. Yeah, it's a little tough in a film like that. Little, little, little bit of tough. Yeah. Little bit tough. But yeah, so I just, I had to, I had to geek out a little bit about just a few, okay. few film things. Let's talk about the actual <laughs> yes, movie though. Okay. Well, can, can we talk about one of the first thing, like, after the the opening sequence, obviously. But, like, yes. very quickly, we see a lot of different Barbies. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of different Barbies. From actual... I'm pretty sure that all the ones they depicted are actual Barbies, correct? Aren't they? I believe yeah. so. I mean, I don't think there's an actual weird Barbie right now. Well, no, but, but that is a real Barbie. We have... We have all had a weird Barbie. 
Uh, I, to, I think all of my Barbies might have been weird, weird Barbies. I uh, mine all pretty much ended up like that. <laughs> so, whoops, sorry. <laughs> but you know what? I think that that was great that they included that because again, it is a universal thing. Everyone had a weird Barbie, and I don't. Maybe you heard or saw this, but I. I swear it was an interview and maybe it was variety or something like that. But Kate McKinnon was talking about how, yes, she would definitely be weird Barbie, but that she wanted to be naked. That was what, that was what she wanted her costume to be because everybody's weird Barbie was always naked. <laughs> Which is, I mean, she's not she's entirely not wrong. wrong. She's not wrong. But um, obviously that didn't come true. So... But still. The MPAA would have lost their minds. Yes, for sure. But still, it was it was great. I thought it was great. And then we had Lawyer Barbie, who was plus-size Barbie. Her name was Sharon Rooney. Mm-hmm. Uh, President Barbie was Issa Rae. Mm-hmm. I, I love her. I absolutely I do love too. her. She's great. And then, honestly, the way she delivered the Godfather line was <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> the Godfather. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, Dr. Barbie was Harry Neff, and I'm so sorry if I'm apologizing that incorrectly. Uh, Becky, which is friend of Barbie, was the school photographer, which was AKA wheelchair, wheelchair Barbie. Yeah, and I really appreciated that. I, I think. I think we both grew up during the time when Barbie went under, like Barbie is the brand went under a lot of scrutiny from the public about not being very inclusive and being like detrimental to girl bodies. P.S. As a child, I understood that this piece of plastic was not this beauty expectation. Mm -hmm. I did not assume that my body ever needed to look like Barbie's because it was a doll. Yeah. Um, But Moving forward, I appreciated that they reflected that the, sh- the brand has taken steps to be more inclusive, mm-hmm. to have, you know, varying colors of, quote, skin tone yes. on these Barbies, hairstyles, you know, abilities, yes. you know, we have, you know, wheelchair bar- Barbies and things like that. I did appreciate that the, the film also reflected the growth that we saw in that yeah. brand. Now, I will say, too, I like I've actually learned quite a bit about Barbie and Mattel in in doing a little prep for this. One of the things like it's great that they're doing all that, but that doesn't mean that Mattel's perfect and they've gotten it right a lot of the time, because one of the things no. that they got kind of in a little bit of hot water for with wheelchair Barbie was the fact that they didn't account for the fact her hair would get caught in the wheels. And it's like, if you're going to represent a community, you should probably take the time to actually consider something like that before you put it on the market. So, yes, definitely some growth, which is awesome. But, you know, it's never perfect getting there. There, And and I don't think any brand is ever going to be completely perfect ever. So have that Barbie have a slightly shorter hairstyle. It'll be okay. Or have her have a ponytail. I don't know. Yeah. Or, you know, take take into account some of the, like, people in that community and maybe ask them what they want to see, you know. You want them to do market research? Mm-hmm. What? Shocking <gasps> idea. But, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
So um, one of the things that I kind of thought was a joke in the movie but turned out to actually be true was that um, there have only been two female CEOs of Mattel ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, to be fair, Mattel makes more than just Barbie. Yes. They're, it's not exclusively just creating Barbie. But... but it is a huge representation of the fact that, like, women are just not in the same spaces as men very, very frequently. And to be the head of a company that makes a brand like Barbie, that its entire premise is that Barbie can have any and every job and is super successful in it. Why are you not more inclusive to women? Like, why are you not? shattering that glass ceiling for women and having more women in your boardrooms in the C-suite positions. Absolutely. Especially because Mattel was co-founded by a woman, Ruth Handler, the Mm -hmm. creator of Barbie. So you would think that there would have been a lot more of that over the years, considering how (sighs) progressive Barbie was at the time. Um, Now, Mm -hmm. little side note when they should they like hint at in the movie which is actually a hundred percent true uh she ended up having breast cancer and had a double mastectomy but she also got control for tax evasion uh and that Love is it. that is one of the reasons that she wasn't with um until anymore so uh, women can also make, uh, commit white collar white collar crimes. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so I just thought it was funny that white collar crime Barbie. <laughs> Definitely, I just thought it was funny that they poked you know that they poked fun at it. I thought it was great. I enjoyed that. So yeah, I do. I do think the whole conversation around Mattel and like the way that the board and like the CEO and everything with Will Ferrell, who I thought was hilarious mm-hmm. in that role. I think it was just a very meta take for Mattel. 100%. That, like, Barbie's all about empowering little girls that they can do whatever they want, and yet all of the decisions for this brand is being made by men and the patriarchy. (laughs) The thing that is preventing women from achieving these lofty ideals. Yes, I I was... I was watching that wardrobe and listening to them talk and he was like, I want little girls to be everything that they want. And I'm like, it is so ironic. You're so close to the point. (laughs) You're just, you're, if you, you could almost hit the point with your face at this point. You're so close to it. Right into it. Just right into it. And, but it was great that honestly, that Mattel was willing to, you know, have that in the movie because obviously and be the butt of the joke it's really i was a little surprised that a big corporation like that was willing to be the butt of the joke especially in this instance but i thought it was great i thought it i thought it served them really well in this instance honestly it especially with the resolution of the film like at the end of the story Mm -hmm. you kind of are rooting for mattel to to continue to progress yes like i walked out of that theater being like come on mattel you have it in you to do this just just do it (laughs) i i hope they do i really do call me like crazy optimistic but with 
the absolute success of this movie. We're going into what three? Mm-hmm. This is the third weekend now, and we're it. I saw a statistic yesterday. It's been on out in theaters for sixteen days, and it's already made a billion a dollars worldwide. Billion dollars. Okay. Billion. That's with a B, by the way. Yes. Billion. Okay. okay. So there's that. And then kind of, I'm going to squish this hand in hand with Miss Taylor Swift herself, who is, has been credited as well for, you know, boosting economy in these cities that she's going around in. I mean, and honestly, between going to that this year and then going to Barbie, it's a very, it feels like a very hopeful step in the direction that I would like things to go in. The economy is just being saved by two blonde women. It's fine. Listen, I feel like companies really, really underestimate the value of women and the spending power of women. I'm a hundred percent. I mean, even if we look at kind of that end of the scene, end of the movie scene where America's Ferrer's character, it suggests ordinary Barbie and Will Ferrell's as the CEO of media is like, oh no, that's not going to work. And then the other guy kind of pops up. He's like, oh no, they say that it'll make us like X amount of money is like some ridiculous amount of money. And he's like immediately on board. It's just another proof that like capitalism is what is really driving these companies more than anything else. Like they will do anything if they think it will make them money. And hello, Barbie and Taylor Swift are making millions and millions and millions of Mm -hmm. dollars and women have a ton of money to spend when and women will spend but women also spend their money very discretionarily and i mean that like when i go to spend money i'm really thoughtful about where i'm spending my money i don't just go throw my money anywhere like obviously yeah i still shop at amazon because it is very convenient to have stuff land on my doorstep right. in a day. Thank you, Amazon. I know you're kind of a shit company, but I don't shop at certain places because I don't ethically agree with some of the things that they're, they're doing to their employees or to their manufacturing mm-hmm. lines or their supply chains, like whatever it may be, because women are more conscious about it because we are taught from a young age how to be a really good consumer. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I just think women as a whole and this is obviously generalization, sweeping generalizations here, but I feel like a lot of companies just underestimate women. They just don't consider marketing to them. They don't consider, oh, maybe we should develop things for women, by women, and it might actually do well. You know? Yeah. It's, so it's... <sighs> To me, seeing the response to Barbie and it doing so successful, seeing the response to Taylor Swift, her doing so successful, it's like, to me, it should be a really big wake-up call for those companies to really say, okay, maybe we should take up and listen. This is kind of a joke, but I, I definitely feel like it is. I saw a TikTok where a guy referenced Barbie as the white girl Black Panther, and I so agree because Black Panther showed that char- like major blockbuster tentpole films featuring all 99% people of color in the cast can make money hand over mm-hmm. fist. If it's a good story, it's going to make money hand over fist. 
Barbie did the same thing for white women and women everywhere. I would argue women everywhere because I think that it is just an under-tapped market. I really, really do. But, yeah, Mm -hmm. I I agree. It's the same thing. It's like, why aren't the time and energy and resources poured into those markets? They they can be just as successful when given the opportunity, and they just aren't given the opportunity a lot. And that's that's the frustrating part. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You have to settle for second best or less than because that's just what's available so i wanted to bring up a quote that came out from one of those boardroom scenes and i wanted to get your opinion on it because that hit me like an absolute ton of bricks when it when it came out of his mouth by the way the and i don't know his name i should probably do the google machine here shortly the character that said this he, the actor who plays him was in a show called Sex Education, which is phenomenal, phenomenal. It's a great show. We're, and I'm gonna we're gonna do this on this podcast. <laughs> I have not watched it, so I'm but down. There are actually two other characters uh, in the movie that were also actors in that show, and they were. I think that actor selection was very intentional on Greta Gerwig's part. Uh, I think the casting of this film was literally perfect. Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't, there's not a single person I would have changed. There's, it's, I'm so impressed mm-hmm. because I think it's very publicly out there that uh, Margot Robbie was not the original pick for Barbie. Originally it was going to be Amy Schumer and I think it would have been a very different absolutely. film if it had been her. And then it was going to be Uh, Anne Hathaway, who I think would have done a wonderful job. Don't get me wrong. I don't, I think there is no one else on this planet other than Margot Robbie who could have been Barbie. She is absolutely stunningly perfect in this role. And I really hope she gets, I hope she gets Golden Globe, SAG, Academy Award nominations for it and wins in all of those because she 100% deserves it. Because she carried this film and not in a bad way she carried this film because she was in every way shape and form the lead actor for it that i couldn't agree with you more i like that whole every bit of it all of it all of it Mm -hmm. she was perfect and i don't i don't know if amy schumer turned down the role or if she had it at one point or something but i can't imagine her have having been the barbie it would definitely have been a very very different movie and hathaway would have been fine but i but margot robbie is just perfect so but yeah yeah Yeah. all the castings but all all of it everyone um and anyways to 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 circle back to this line you want me to react to okay i'm a man with no power does that make me a woman Uh, it's it's kind of feels yucky but kind of in the right way where it is very intentionally calling out how little power women have in certain situations. Uh Now, this is not going to be a blanket statement by any means. There's some times where women are definitely pulling way more power in a situation than a man would. Um, But 
to like a man with no power apparently equals a woman in this situation is uncomfortable. I mean, to me, it's uncomfortable. But at the same time, I was like, well, (laughs) I couldn't have said it better myself because that's how it feels sometimes. Yeah. And I think it's the the thing that people are missing Mm. when they have critiques of like, oh, this film is anti-man. It's like, no, No. it's not anti-man. It is anti-patriarchy, pretty hardcore. And I think it's a lot of times feminism gets a kind of a rap sheet and a bad name of being anti-man about being women should be in front of or better than men. And it's like, no, it's about equality. Mm-hmm. It's never been about women are better than men. It's just women want to be the same as men. We want the same opportunities. We want to be treated the same. We want to be given the same everything. It shouldn't be different just because we're women. Yes. And that argument could be made for a lot of different things, not just for women. And I'm not saying that, that you're not saying that. It's definitely, it's an argument for a lot yeah. of things. Yeah. I, I, I think it's just one of those things where I don't know if there's another line in this film that more blatantly states mm-hmm. how women feel as though they are perceived in this world other than like, it, it, as like a single line because we have the beautiful speech by America mm-hmm. Ferrer's character which we will go into in a second but I, I don't think that there's a single line uttered by a man in the film that better illustrates the thesis point of this yes film. agreed agreed and one of the things that I thought about people were saying, oh, it's very anti-man. And like you said, I think it's much more anti-patriarchy. In my opinion, I thought they were very kind to men in this portrayal because mm-hmm. they weren't, they weren't ugly to the, to the men. They weren't, no. they weren't disrespectful. They weren't sexually harassing them. They weren't hurting them. They weren't taking anything from them. Um, they were literally, they were literally just not the focus. That was it. They were mm-hmm. literally just on the yeah. focus. And so because most movies that I watch, that is not how women are treated at all. And in fact, there were a lot of apologies had like the, that the Barbies in this movie said to the Kens and it wasn't the other mm-hmm. way around. And Ken was the one that kind of came in and stole everything and brainwashed everybody. So I, I felt like the movie was actually very kind to men. And I think that those who felt like it was anti-men really did kind of walk straight into the point of it. Yeah. And, you know, did a crazy move to intentionally miss the yeah. point. Because, yeah, to your point... In, in theory, the, anta- the, quote, the the antagonist of the film is the patriarchy. Yes. Like, it's an abstract figure. But the person who brings patriarchy to Barbie land is mm-hmm. Ken. And Ken does not apologize ever for taking over Barbie's house or messing up all of the other Barbie's houses mm-hmm. or bringing the patriarchy and causing all these problems. Um, but at the same time, like if, there's a couple of things where I'm like, Barbie wasn't perfect either. No. Like, yes, in the pre-patriarchy Barbie land, the Kens weren't mistreated, but they weren't always treated Correct. well. Exactly. 
And one one line that really stuck out to me that really painted that picture is when they're driving back to her house and Gloria asks Barbie, well, where does Ken live? And she's like, I have no idea. For all we know, Ken is homeless. I mean, and and that is a fair point. And I think that kind of just further proves that the the movie isn't anti-men. It is anti- No. Atriarchy, whether that's patriarchy or matriarchy, it doesn't matter. That's not good for everyone. That's only that's only no. good for one half of the equation. It's not good for everyone. So I think that that's what but the point of that was. Is like, yeah, it wasn't it, it wasn't awful for Kens like it is uh, often awful for women, but it wasn't good for them either. So no matriarchy nor patriarchy is the correct solution It is being able to stand side by side and lead together absolutely and making space for each each other because each person each side has a a valuable piece of information to bring to the table and a valuable perspective absolutely all right. Well, let's shift we to a slightly about- lighter note. I'm sure we'll uh, take, <laughs> take a right back to it later. <laughs> we got a little intense there. Sorry, guys. Hey, that's what that was the great thing about this film. Like there was so much mm-hmm. in like I told Alyssa when we were talking about doing this for the podcast, I could talk about this for days. There's so much. I absolutely love this movie. It's my now absolute favorite of all time. Hands yeah. down. I don't know how a filmmaker will ever top this for me. <laughs> it, it just, oh my God, it's so good. But, uh, okay, I'm going to shift to something that I found fascinating. Because, uh, like I said, my mom was a kid when Barbie came out. So, one of the things that I really thought about was all the things that Barbie could do before a woman could open their own bank account without the signature of their husband or father. Now, here's Uh a little fact. Technically, women won the right to do this, open a bank account in the 1960s, but many banks still refuse to actually let them do that without a signature from their husband or father. So it wasn't until 1974 when the Equal Credit Opportunity Act was passed that women in the U.S. were granted the right to open the account on their own. So. Yeah. Thanks to the people in power (laughs) who didn't think women had the right to their own money. When I learned that, it absolutely blew my mind. I had... That did not cross my mind as a child, and I think I was an adult when I learned that. And uh, my my parents got married in 1979, which means my mom couldn't have done that, like, mm-hmm. only a few years before. Yeah. I, that's crazy to me. I was, my parents were very fortunate, uh, growing up in California, it was a very liberal place. So my mom faced a lot less stuff like this because she was an adult. Like she graduated from high school in 1969, but she also got married like immediately after high school, um, to not my dad. Uh, but like, (laughs) Decided to not my dad. (laughs) 
he's not worthy of mentioning. It's fine. Um, so, yeah, she would have had these same struggles, you know, during yeah. that time period. Um, and it's just insane to me how, like, the most basic things women people of color, people of dis- with disabilities have had to fight for, for like just the basic things that being born a man has, you've just been given. Yeah. I, <clears throat> yeah. So I'm going to read this list. We won't spend like a ton of time on all of these. Like I'm sure we'll touch on a few, but so in 1960, Barbie was a fashion designer slash model, depending on which source you look at. Um, in 1961, she was a flight attendant, a nurse, and a ballerina. In 1962, she was a tennis player. In 1963, she was a college graduate. So I was curious about this one because I wanted to know. I was like, I wonder how many women were actually college graduates in 1963. Um, it was insanely difficult to find a statistic even close to that. So in 1964, this was the closest thing that I could find. 6.8% of 25 and older women were college graduates compared to 11.7% of men. So this is in the U.S., by the way. Uh, So it's still like a very small percentage of the population, which if I'm being honest with you, I was actually shocked to know that it was that little. I thought it was a lot more than that. So we have to remember in the 1960s, not it was very normal for people to not go to college. You like went for the family business or you worked a blue collar job. It wasn't this like modern society. Everybody goes to college, I feel like like. A huge, like a huge percentage of people are going to college because that's the story we've all been told that the only way to be successful in this world is to have a college degree attached to your name. It wasn't like that then. So I'm curious, not that your statistic is bad. I would just be curious to see what percentage of total college graduates in graduates in that time period what that demographic split and was that, just because I feel like that would paint a better picture and it's probably difficult to find defi- unless you look at like census bureau information exactly which wants to I do that. just was trying to find something that looked in even slightly reputable so statista.com is where I got this so take that with a grain of salt but this was the closest thing that I could find to that um go ahead no, no, no. I'm just nodding along. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something. Um, and then in 1964, she took that college graduate degree and became a career girl. I don't know exactly what that means, but that was part of the description. She was somebody's secretary, probably. <laughs> probably. Probably. And then in 1965, now mind you, this was four years before a man walked on the moon. Barbie was an astronaut. Yeah, but NASA was a big deal. I, but to, yes, agree. NASA was a big deal. But to me, that was a big pivot. That was a big pivot in mm-hmm. a year from being probably somebody's secretary, which was most likely the scenario, to a freaking astronaut. I want to be an astronaut. I'm actively wearing a. I'm actively wearing a shirt from NASA right now. Are you? You are. <laughs> 
Do you know what I always <laughs> wanted to do as a kid but never got to do? Space camp. I desperately wanted to go to space camp. Sorry. Maybe we'll find an adult space camp for you. I'm pretty sure that's a thing. All right. So then the next one we got to, and I'm, there's probably more in between astronaut and this one. But the next one that I could find was a surgeon in 1973. Now, I, again, <laughs> tried to Google all these things. Um, and I found a statistic from the UC San Diego uh, surgery department. And it said in 1970, less than 8% of U.S. physicians were women. And today, women make up more than 34% of the physician workforce. And the first female surgical resident admitted to the surgery program at UC uh, San Diego was in 1973. Interesting. I wonder if there's any correlation there with surgeon, the first female surgeon, surgical resident. I thought that was... I, I wonder that myself, because I was like, it was very, it was a very weird, like, I, I couldn't find anything about female surgeons. I could find stuff about female mm-hmm. physicians, but the fact that that was like the same year was kind of weird to me, but very cool as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, again, I feel like a lot of this, she was kind of ahead of her, her time. So have you seen that TikTok trend where people are like showing off their Ken's job and it's like yard and he's like mowing the lawn or it's like conference call and he's like talking on yes. the phone or he comes home and he's like, he wears suits. Yes. I love this trend. I thought it was hysterical. Well, what's your Ken's okay, job? I did get this approved by my Ken. I didn't want him to be offended by his job. So uh, my Ken's job is British. He comes with a Union Jack, a red phone box, and Nescafe instant coffee. He says fun British phrases like what you want about and bollocks. He has an RAF expansion pack with a Spitfire. I, I feel like that's a pretty good Ken. You got a good Ken. <laughs> Listen, I put a lot of thought into this. <laughs> so my Ken is complicated. I'm not going to lie. My This is also Ken approved on my end. Uh, so he and I talked about it today. And apparently we're going to say his uh, his Ken job is internet. He makes sure it has uh, power so that we can all get on the internet. And his accessories are a laptop and a screwdriver. I like that. Internet's a good job. If I get to keep my internet, like, internet's a good job. <laughs> internet's a good job. But in all honesty, like, it was really hard because I just, I, I married an Alan. I feel like I've seen great portrayals of Alan, which is, I feel like, how you and I took Alan to be. Like, yeah. kind of the guy who didn't get sucked into the bullshit patriarchy and kind of helped Barbie when she needed it. Yes. Um, and kick some Ken yes, ass. But then I've seen some not so nice theories about Alan, which, to be perfectly honest with you, I I can't really keep. I disregard I those opinions. What the arguments were, but I don't know. I don't see Alan like that. I feel like Alan's a good guy, and he just man was just there. He's Alan. He Alan was there. He was supportive. Uh-huh. He was creative. He went along with the Barbie's plan when they were trying to save Barbie land. He was trying to rescue Barbie and Gloria and Sasha. I mean, he kicked a lot of Ken. Oh, but. yeah. At the end when he was like, oh, that was great. I was like, man, one, I didn't know Michael Sarah had it in him. And two, <laughs> I, 
Like, oh my god, it was great watching Alan kick some ass. Okay, but the part where he is like, we're in so much trouble if they ever figure out that the wall needs to go sideways, not just that was upward. great. Oh my god. <laughs> also, did you catch, or maybe, like, he was, like, going back and forth. He had said he had done it a few times. Yeah, well, because he talks about the other Allens leaving, and they're, like, the members of NSYNC. Oh, that's right. Which is so great, Allens by are, the way. are wonderful. We love Allens here. I disregard anyone's negative opinion about Allen. I agree. Alan. I agree. Okay, so since we talked about Alan and a little bit about our Ken, so let's just talk about Ken in the film. Number one, Ryan Gosling perfection of casting absolutely on so many levels first of all like first he looks like fucking ken i mean come on yeah he looks like Ken. emma rob like emma what was what's her name emma oh my god oh my god give me more than emma and oh my god the redheaded one who was gwen stacy in the amazing spider-man Dated Andrew Garfield. Oh. Stone. Yeah, okay, yes. God. Okay. Emma Stone was right when she said he was photoshopped. What do you mean? You haven't seen that movie? What movie? Oh my god, you gotta have to ask the movie machine. Oh, you're talking about Crazy Stupid Love. Yeah, she was right in Crazy Stupid Love. He is, in fact, photoshopped. Like, wait, what do you mean he's, in fact, photoshopped? Are you saying, like, they literally photoshopped his abs? Or are you saying, like, he's just, like, not a real person? He's just not a real person. No one is allowed to be that perfect. I know. And I, like, that movie, it wasn't even The Notebook that I loved. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I liked him in The Notebook. But at the same time, what really did it for me was Crazy Stupid Love. That, oh, my God. So Mm. hot. It took me a really long... I didn't watch that movie until this year, and I really enjoyed it. You missed out. That has been on one of my favorites for a long-ass time. Him and Steve Carell and Emma Stone. Oh, I'm gold. I'm not missing out anymore. I watched it. I'm just saying. It's so good. Are you proud of me? I am. I watched it. But, agreed. So, yes. But on top of that, because he's like Mr. Heartthrob in those movies, it also makes him perfect Ken. Perfect Ken, because in theory, Ken is supposed to be kind of a heartthrob. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's Barbie's man friend. Uh, but I just think like the way that they portrayed Ken in this film was absolutely fascinating. The way that he's like completely defined by his relationship to Barbie is so similar to how so many female characters in movies in books in television shows in comic Mm -hmm. books in so many different pieces of media are portrayed how many times do we talk about like mary suing a character or fridging a character because like this female character only exists to move to create character development in the male character and i'm it was so refreshing to have a male character get treated like that and then everybody's all up in arms about it. I'm like, oh, well, oh, yeah. How the turntables have turned. <laughs> and then they're like, well, how would you like it if the roles were reversed? It's like... They, they are, are all, the, all time. the time. It's the... It's the... It's the baseline <laughs> scenario. The whole point, man. Oh, my God. I do also appreciate that, like, there isn't this huge... 
Like, he has character development that he realizes the patriarchy is bad. And, yeah, he, he gets his Moto Dojo Casa house, which, like... <laughs> Do I want to make a sign and put it under above my husband's like man cave that says Mojo Jojo Casa House? A little bit, yes. Um, but like he also pretty quickly, all in his own figures out, the patriarchy sucks just because it's not about horses. When he was like, once I figured out it didn't involve horses, I kind of lost interest. And he said he was like, it was exhausting making all those decisions. <laughs> Yeah, it must be. It must be exhausting for men to feel like they have to this responsibility to make all of these decisions when it's like, my dude, you don't actually have to make all of these responsibility or like all of these decisions. You don't have to take that responsibility upon yourself. Women are actually really capable of making a lot of decisions. Do you think that like female doms would run out of clientele if women started you know, I think equality was more of a thing and men didn't have to like be the ones no, there's so, there, being such I a smart I think there's always going right to be now. man and because <laughs> <laughs> trying to like do I think female doms? No, because A, there's prob- female doms probably also serve as women. Oh, okay, fair. I was just absolutely making a, a total not classy joke about the fact that like men have to make all these decisions <laughs> and it must be so exhausting. And then these I wonderful mean, Dom women will come along and just do it for you. And uh, yeah, yeah, that was it was my not not very nice joke. You can totally edit this out now. (laughs) (laughs) So like, I, I just love that. Like the way that the Ken's figured out amongst themselves that the patriarchy is also bad for them. is through like the most bonkers dancing I've ever seen in my entire life. You mean the big dancing? Yes. With the song and the dancing and the, did you know that that was actually a callback to, the dance scene and singing in the rain. Yes. I didn't know that. I read that today. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. I loved the dancing. Yeah. Though. I thought it I, I, so entertaining. It, Completely do bonkers. You know Reminding me of the uh, fight dance scene in West Side Story. Oh, 100%. With, like the jets and the sharks and stuff. Yeah. Any like 1960s fight yeah. in a musical, like a, it's a snapping movie musical, like <laughs> oh, uh, it also gave me like grease yes. lightning vibes yes. with the outfits. Yeah, yeah. I was <laughs> like, you're you're just referencing a little bit of everything right now, aren't you, Greta? And if I'm not mistaken, the dance, not in the fight dance scene, but maybe it was the same one. I can't really remember, but the one in the white tracksuits at the Barbie like blowout party mm-hmm. was Ryan Reynolds like a a dance from when he was on like Mickey Mouse Clubhouse but- like those days. Like it was boy band era um Ryan Gosling. Okay, but like, how badly do you just want every man to dress up like Ken for Halloween? Yes and no. You want to know why I say no? Because I, God forbid, they all fucking bleach their hair because no one's gonna tone it and it's gonna just be piss yellow. That's what I don't want. I don't want to see a bunch of shirtless (laughs) Kens with piss yellow hair. That's what I see coming. (laughs) 
That's the title of this episode. Piss yellow I don't want to say. I'm dying. Joke. I'm, I'm, I'm literally dead. Thank you for that. Um, that's a mental image I wasn't in time. Like, wigs exist, people. <laughs> yeah, but guys are dumb. They do that. I, okay, to be fair, I did know this guy when I, many moons ago, I worked with him, and he and his buddy were the two grumpy Muppets that, like, sit up in the balcony. <laughs> I'm not thinking of their names. And he gave, he had a full head of hair, but he shaved a cul-de-sac bald spot onto his head for his Halloween oh costume. <laughs> So you're not wrong. Because you you know why? I'm going to tell you this, too, because you'll get to this. In F1 right now, there – well, there was a driver. His name is Alex Albon. Okay? These guys are millionaires. And last season, he bleached Mm -hmm. his hair, and it was awful. It was awful. No. I have seen his face. He's bad. He's not – he does not have the skin tone of a blonde. No, he does not. And the fact that, like – Nobody toned – like, this looked very much like an at-home job. Very much like an at-home job. I'm like, my man, whoever your PR rep is or your agent or who the fuck ever needs to take you to a salon ASAP. And guess what? At the end of the season last season, they finally did. And it looks way better than it did – well, and it still doesn't look great in my opinion, but he's doing it. It looks better than it did. But now – now we've got another driver doing the exact same thing. It's like, what is it with you idiots and bleaching your hair? I don't understand. It doesn't look I don't good. Know. Maybe they just don't feel the fear women do because, like, if they, it's much more socially acceptable if they fry their hair, shave they can just off. shave it off. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Let's see. Okay. Do we want to talk about some of our favorite lines and scenes in the movie? Let's. Okay. Okay. I think right off the jump, right off the jump, the thing that like instantly hit me and stuck in my brain was like during like the Nobel Peace Prize in Barbie land, how all of the Barbies who won awards were like, I worked really hard for this. Thank you. I deserve this. Yeah, I just thought that that was so powerful because, like, how often do women have to be humble or, like, just be so appreciative of it or, like, are self-deprecating? And they weren't. They were just, yep, I worked hard. I earned this. Thank you so much. I, that was also a really kind of another thing that hit me right in the face. And it was like, God, I do do that, don't I? Like, Nobody says that. I never hear people say, and I, I wouldn't say that's a, just exclusively a female thing. That's no. an everybody. Like people are like, "Oh my god, I, d- I don't know what I did to deserve to deserve this," and it's deserve. I, I don't. I can't speak. But it's like, but really, it's it's no. I worked really hard, and I I do deserve this. And I think a lot a lot of us forget that sometimes. But it was a nice reminder, and it's definitely made me a little bit more intentional with what I say to the girls. Like, Quinn mm-hmm. had um, 
her belt graduation recently for karate. Um, and I, I remember seeing Barbie before she did because I wanted to see it. And, and I remembered that scene and I said to her after the graduation, I said, I'm so proud of you. You worked so hard. You deserve it. Because I don't think we hear that very often. And I feel like that's something that we should say to each other as well as to ourselves. Mm-hmm. But I think saying it to ourselves is the hardest. Or seeing, saying it out loud, I guess. A hundred percent. And like to kind of like couple with that, that scene where like lawyer Barbie like makes this argument and she's like, I made an argument, but then I also held my emotions in my body and both things can exist at the same time. That was also a good one. So that made me tear up the first time I freaking loved it. it. Because I get accused of that a lot. Like maybe this is me just being like super emotional, but like having emotions kind of almost invalidates you sometimes for women yeah. for sure and definitely for men too mm-hmm. because how many times are men told they can't cry they can't show emotions they're not allowed to feel connected to that part, part of their person and it's total bullshit yeah, it really is so i really liked that line and i was like oh i feel like that that's a true thing i really do and i feel i wish that it was a more true thing universally for everybody. I agree. So yeah, those were two of mine, like mm-hmm. right off the bat. I also really loved the scene, like when Barbie's like super upset and she sits down on that that bench with the old lady, and she sort of takes in the real world mm-hmm. for the first time, and it's all kind of so like she sees like people being happy and people being sad and like the the sun shining in the sky and the birds chirping in the trees and everything and she's kind of overtaken by emotion by how vast the real world Mm -hmm. is and then she turns to this little old lady next to her on the bench and she's like you're beautiful and the lady's just like thank you I know I loved that scene so much because to me it's maybe I'm reading too much into this maybe I'm going a little too hardcore on it but it was like Barbie was saying you're beautiful to the world and the old lady was like yes I I know that the world is beautiful it wasn't just about the woman it was about everything in that moment Barbie realizing that the real world had so much beauty in it you know, I hadn't thought of it that way. It's really nice. I like that. I like that a yeah. lot. Oh, good. I don't know. I don't know. That's just me. Also, why did depression Barbie have to go so okay. hard? Agreed, with one exception. I did not watch the PBS version of Pride and Prejudice, where I watched the 05 so, version of Pride and Prejudice with Kira Knightley. I think any version, I think every version of Pride and Prejudice is acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice fan. Oh, God. Because, okay, hand flex alone. Mm. The hand flex. Oh, God. Oh, oh God. But yes. Uh, yeah. That that was Why did it I have think to go everyone so was very much. I've seen TikToks where people are like, "Where's depression, Barbie?" <laughs> On the shelves here at Walmart, it's not there. Mm, yeah, like come on, depression, Barbie. Why did you have to 
I feel I'm feeling a little called out right yeah, now. <laughs> for sure. All right. So I'm going to put a little disclaimer here before I move on to the next one, because I have yet to be able to talk about this with people without getting emotional. So I start to cry. I'm really sorry. And I will try to not do that. So Mm -hmm. this next quote, I think for a lot of people, it was, it hit a lot of nerves so, mm-hmm. uh, I w- it was Gloria's monologue at the end of the movie. And this doesn't mean there weren't, like, a ton of amazing lines and stuff, but, like, this was one of the lines for me. Okay. It is literally impossible to be a woman. You are so beautiful and so smart, and it kills me that you don't think you're good enough. Like, we have to always be extraordinary, but somehow we're always doing it wrong. You have to be thin, but not too thin. And you can never say you want to be thin. You have to say you want to be healthy, but you also have to be thin. You have to have money, but you can't ask for money because that's crass. You have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. You have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. You're supposed to be a loving mother, but you don't talk about your kids all the damn time. You have to be a career woman, but also be looking out for other people. You have to answer for men's bad behavior, which is insane. It is, by the way. But if you point that out, you're accused of complaining. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty that you tempt them too much or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be part of the sisterhood. But always stand out and always be grateful. But never forget the system is rigged. So find a way to acknowledge that, but also always be grateful. You never get... You have to never get old, never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, never fail, never show fear, never get out of line. It's too hard. It's too contradictory and nobody gives you a medal or says thank you. And it turns out, in fact, that not only are you doing everything wrong, but also everything is your fault. I'm just so tired of watching myself and every other woman tie herself in knots so that people will like us. And if all of that is true for a doll just representing women then I don't even know (sighs) what a speech I you could have knocked me over with a feather when she said that the entire theater during that entire monologue was completely Mm -hmm. silent absolutely I have never felt so accurately seen as a woman in my entire life and the tightrope that women have to walk. Um, and it is, it's exhausting. My 15 year old said at the end of the movie that it resonated with her. She's 15. Mm hmm. Yeah. A 15 year old should not be feeling all of these demands in, I have never heard somebody so clearly talk about the utter confusion it is to be Mm -hmm. a woman because you have to be attractive but not too attractive you have to be a girl's girl but then you have to be strong and stand up for yourself and like it's just this world of contradiction and dichotomy that is impossible to just exist within and it's just never enough to just be yeah 
it's so hard to expand on it any further because they said it all and you and, and you just said it like there's just there's uh, there's almost nothing else you need to add to the conversation around it because it just so perfectly encapsulates it yeah like anything else you're just it, it just continues mm-hmm. like that isn't the starting point and if you're looking at a piece of plastic let, like let's be honest barbie dolls are plastic and this Barbie is having all of this projected onto her as well. Imagine how human beings feel. Oh, it's just. It was, it was a lot. It was heavy. It was heavy at that point. It was a really, really heavy moment for sure. But like so needed. Yeah. I, I'm so grateful that Greta Gerwig Put that in the film. Yeah. And because so often in these types of situations, it's this hero's speech mm-hmm. where they rally the team together and they say like all of these uplifting things. And I'm so grateful that she had the courage to say the truth. Yes. Yeah. To, to just be like, it sucks in so many different ways. And you just can't win. Mm-hmm. But we can try to make it better for today. I agree. And that kind of brings me to that next quote that I think was just shortly after that. Mm -hmm. So do you want to do this one or do you want to do the fun one and then this one? No. uh, Which quote is that? Sorry. The mother's one? The one yeah, this is that's the more heavy one, but the like no to filmmakers one with <laughs> Yeah, so the no to filmmakers one was uh Margot like they broke the fourth wall. They're like Margot Robbie is the wrong person to cast to make this point and like trying to say that like she's not pretty oh or something like that. <laughs> like correct. You are absolutely correct. And to all of the people out there you know who you are, who are like, and you're probably never listening to this podcast, uh, who are like, oh, Mario Robbie's mid. Come on. She's literally perfect. Shut the fuck well, up. Or that she's too old. Or Come on. No. Uh, it, but Ugh. I just thought the fact that they broke the fourth wall and acknowledged that that is probably what every woman was thinking in that movie theater. Like, come on. Like, I, I, I like the fact that they acknowledged it. It was great. It was great. Yeah, same. I love that they, like, broke the fourth wall. They were meta about it. Like, come on, yeah. guys. <laughs> All right. So this is the uh, the heavier quote, at least. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a great one. But it's a little bit heavier for me. So we stand still. We mothers stand still so that our daughters can look back and see how far they've come. So for me, it was like a double meaning because – Look at, like I said earlier, creating the outline and kind of looking back and seeing like where my mom was when Barbie came out and how things were for her. Then kind of standing in my viewpoint, looking back, it's like, holy shit, we have come a really, really long way. And sometimes I definitely forget that because there are times Mm -hmm. where I'm looking around today and I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is scary. This is really scary. And this isn't how I want my girls to grow up. And I don't, I don't want. I want things to be better for them, but I do forget how far we've come. 
So, and then mm-hmm. standing here looking. That so that's that part of it. But kind of the other, other flip side of that meeting for me is to like on a personal level, like I was a really shitty teenager, <laughs> like a really shitty teenager, and I was not great to my mom. I really wasn't. But my mom passed away like almost two years ago from cancer. And I remember one of the things that I was really worried was that she was worried that I wasn't going to be okay. And <laughs> see, I told you I was going to have really up time. You're allowed to have emotions. This is true. Ah. <laughs> uh, looking back at her and seeing how far I had come personally was a big deal. And then... Yeah. But sitting here, watching my daughters go forward, that was something that I didn't expect to to think about in that movie. And, you know, our kids struggle. I My, my children have scr- struggled. And... I genuinely hope that one day they can look back on on not only that, like, you know, from a female perspective, like, of the world and, like, feminism and being equal and stuff like that, but also wanting them to be able to look back on their lives as well and see, like, I have come really far because I do think that sometimes we forget that and your moms are definitely there to show you that. Mm-hmm. No, I I love that that perspective on that line. Mine, I, I definitely agree with you that you know my mom being a little bit older, you know she grew up in a very very different time than what we have today. So she her life was so much different than what ours is today, and to see the the way that the world has changed from when she was my age is crazy. I, I don't have children. So it's really hard for me to feel that other side of it for you. And I, should I ever have a daughter someday, my big goal would be to give her, I mean, same for a son, but like, you know, should I ever have a tiny human at some point in my life? I just would want them to have the tools to go out there and be their amazing self because who they are, the baseline version of themselves is already amazing. And her, like the, the generation my mom is from, they did so much for women. Like my mom talks about how she would burn her bras for, <laughs> for equality awesome. and things like that about, you know, doing those kinds of things. And it's like, that's such a, important aspect of our history and I feel like sometimes it gets forgotten how hard women have had to fight and and this is not to like it's it's really unfortunate because especially like women of color sort of had to pick a side sometimes Mm -hmm. between like the equal rights movement and the feminist movement and it was just you know, the feminist movement supported the equal rights movement and the equal rights movement supported the feminist movement, but like they weren't the same. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, do you want to, which, which thing do you want to attack first? Yeah. 
And to this day, we don't have an equal rights amendment or like a, from a perspective, like the f- making men and women equal, the thing that the feminists were really fighting for in the 1960s, it was ratified by all, by the number of seats it needed to be, but it's never been signed as a law. It's never, it's never been applied to the constitution and it still could be, but you know, we're too worried about other stupid bullshit to, to protect 50% of our citizenry from discrimination. Mm-hmm. And it's insane to me. Uh, yeah, it. I can't even begin to tell you how it's insane. How, yeah, I am 100% on board with you, girl. You know I am. Yeah. Ugh. Now that we're all emotional, we're going to try to make it a little happier as our, as we go into our last, like, section that we want to chat about. And that's kind of, like, the overarching mm-hmm. themes. Uh, I, like, I feel like there's a lot of people who talk about it being anti-man. And we've talked about this mm-hmm. a little bit. But I really don't think that it is anti-man. I think people who feel self-conscious about being a man in this world interpret it that way because some of their arguments are like, oh, well, men are the ones who gave women the right to vote. I'm like, who prevented them from voting? Who treated them like property for hundreds of years? Who instilled these rules? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, men. Yeah. Well, and then it, but then you're <laughs> like, like it, you don't get to. Yeah. And it turns into the like whole. <sighs> the one I hear the most is like, well, you wouldn't like it if the roles were reversed. It's like, but man, dude, they are. They already are. All the time. It's like we yeah. live in a world that was created by men for men. And we are superfluous mm-hmm. to that. And then you, uh, uh, the roles are literally reversed in Barbie land. Because it isn't about Ken. Mm-hmm. It isn't about Ken. It is about Barbie. And mm-hmm. the name of the movie is Barbie. Yes. And and I know that some people might find this offensive or ridiculous or rude or whatever. But it never was about Ken. It never was about Ken. The only Ken I ever had, and you wouldn't even really qualify as a Ken, was Prince Eric. He was Ariel's husband. Okay? It wasn't even yeah. a fucking Ken. I don't think we even had an actual Ken. I I had one Ken. I had my ocean friends Ken because I had the stupid dolphin. And my I just this is a funny antidote to make you laugh. But I also had the Fern Gully doll because I really loved the Fern Gully movie as a kid. And so I would put skirts on my Ken so he could be Zach from Fern Gully with my my. That's my great. Doll. <laughs> Because how else do you recreate a loincloth as a child? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that's what I did with my Ken. <laughs> Sorry, Ken. But, like, he, he was the accessory. And I don't think that there is a man out there who would say that a Ken doll in any way, shape, or form represents men in modern society. No. No. No, not even a little bit. No. And, like, how many... Like... Yeah, it's just... I just don't think that this is an anti-man movie, like, by any means. I don't either. I think it's... 
just about how we're better if we are equal to each other. I agree. I agree. Now, can I, I want to pivot it just a little bit as related though. Now, I don't yes. think the film is anti-men. However, I think the consequences of men who don't get the film and her running into this whole rant about it being anti-men are dealing with those consequences. Like, I can't see, I can tell you how many articles I've seen about women breaking up with their boyfriends over it. And mm-hmm. if, I, if I'm being honest, like, I'm really thankful. <laughs> now that I would have broken up with Mark over a a Barbie movie, but if we had been dating, probably like not, and I'm not saying it that in a bad way. Like I, I love Mark and thank God he got it and totally gets that it was important to me and I love it. But yeah, if I was with somebody who, who wasn't and who just genuinely could not see the point of the film or wasn't even willing to like hear it out, mm-hmm. we're not going to have much in common. This is just going to end badly. Yeah, there's just fundamental yeah. differences here that just aren't going to yeah. work out. And I don't think it has to do... And people are like, oh, that's stupid to do it over a movie. It's not It's not over the movie. So... No, it's about core beliefs at that exactly. point. If you don't... If you don't believe that there's cultural value to the Barbie movie... Yeah... We're not, we have very fundamentally different core values, and this is gonna, this is not gonna be good. That'd be like saying that you didn't think Inside Out had meaningful things to say about like internal emotions and how people react to changes in their lives. Such a good movie. It was such a good movie. Such a good movie. Such a good movie. So, yeah, talking about change, I think. A huge theme in this is sort of the estes, like an existential crisis wake up call that every human being has experienced. Every single one. Like Barbie openly admits to never really wanting anything until Gloria starts playing with her again and sort of puts these thoughts into her head. And initially she really wants everything to go back Mm -hmm. to normal, but then she realizes you can't ever go back. And I think it's so relevant. Yeah to our society today because so many people are trying so hard to make life look like it did pre-COVID. Yeah. And we're just never going to, it's just never going to happen. The world has changed. Whether you think it's for the better or not, the world has changed. Yep. You are 100% correct. But we all do that, I think, too, like on a smaller scale, too. Like, how many of us are like, well, if I can get back to this, this is this is when I was happy. So if I can get back to that, can I, if I can get back to that weight, if I can be with that person, if I can live in that city again, if I can do that thing, then I'll be happy again. And it just doesn't work that way. It, you have to learn to accept and move forward with change in your life. I think that's. The only it's so hard for people, though, and it's so hard for it's it's hard for everybody. I'm not saying I'm not saying that like, oh, I'm a master at it. I am absolutely mm-hmm. not. I'm terrible at it. It's hard. It's hard for everybody. But like mm-hmm. you're right. At some point you have to like decide, am I going to let it destroy me or am I, I going to move forward? A hundred percent. The only constant in life is change. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm hmm. 
And I just, I really loved how she accepted that change and then became excited about Mm -hmm. it. Like she chooses to move into the real world and live a real life. And she's so excited about the possibilities. Like she's excited to go to the OBGYN, which PS is not an exciting thing to go do. Can we talk about that scene actually? Yes, absolutely. So she apparently, like, I, I didn't realize this. I guess there was a lot of issue with the last line of the movie. People thought it was, like, really crass. And spoiler alert, she's there to see her gynecologist, which is really not, like, a big deal to me anyway. But. No. But I will, I will preface or qualify that by saying that my mom was a nurse and was very much kind of of the mindset like no I'm going to teach you the right body parts for right names for body parts and we're going to talk about it and it used to make me absolutely cringe when I was growing up and guess what I'm that mom now like <laughs> I we're going to talk about bodily functions we're going to talk about what happens we're going to talk about sex we're going to talk about periods we're going to talk about all of it I'm not shy and I'm not going to make you shy either but that's not a normal thing I guess um it should, it should be. be. Yeah, it should be. Because I don't want my kids, like, learning shit from the internet. I I want my kids to hear things from me. Because kids do dumb stuff, man. Like, really dumb stuff. And the internet tells people to do dumb stuff all the time. So, I don't have a problem. Like, it makes my kids feel awkward sometimes. But at the same time, I think every single one of them know. And then, like, I'm talking age appropriately here, of course, because I had teenagers who were stepkids. But, like, I, you can come talk to me about sex. You can come talk to me about your relationship. All of that stuff. Because I'm not – I would rather have an honest conversation with you because that protects everybody. If I tell you something stupid or wrong because I don't want you to – what, go have sex? That's not going to help me prevent you from Mm-mm. getting someone pregnant or getting They're pregnant. They're still going to yeah. do it. So I am a big proponent of just talking about it. I don't care. And, like, you know, my 15-year-old rolls her eyes at me. And she's like, oh, my God, Mom, you're so embarrassing. Please stop. Like, not everything has to be a sex education conversation. But we had a conversation about it in the car on the way home from the movie. Because Greta mm-hmm. Gerwig gave an interview and she – had Barbie say that at the end of the movie because she wants it to be more acceptable that women talk about those things because a lot of girls are very embarrassed growing up talking about it. I was. Same. I never said the words aloud about, like, I never said vagina until I was, like, 18, 19 years old. I was in college. Never said it aloud. I, I got... Okay, it was my roommate in college one day came in. She's like, we're going to go audition for the vagina monologues. And I was like, <laughs> what? What? And she just drugged me along. And it honestly it was the best thing I could have done because it opened like I, I'm going to. Sh- pr- I'm sorry, mom. You're going to be so mad if you ever listen to this because you will have not realized this. I was this much under a rock. I didn't realize that like women could have multiple. I didn't know what an orgasm was. I didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing. And like the internet existed, but I was a very like sheltered kid. So I knew jack shit. 
and then gets sent off to college. And then my mom's just like on my ass about being on birth control. I'm like, I'm not having sex. Why do I need to be on birth control? I'm very confused. Like it was just, I always like was really embarrassed growing up when my mom would say like, Oh, that's your vagina or your breasts or whatever. And it was just like, it was, it was very cringy for me growing up. And Embarrassing. Not that she would say any of that in public. She was also a very private, mild, quite quiet person. So that is not, it's not anything she would have had a conversation in public about, or I doubt she would have said the line as loudly as Barbie did at the end. But, you know, she wasn't shy about that stuff. But my kids now, like, there's definitely, like, like I said, it's more age appropriate, but it's, I try to have those conversations with them because it's scary otherwise, you know? Like, yeah, if you want to have those age appropriate conversations, mind you, being in the vagina monologues led me to calling my castmates who became really good friends of my uh, vagina all the time. So, yeah, we would just like shout it at each other from across Target. We were. I feel like that was a thing, though. Like, I mean, what, what the penis game? Like, who can say penis the loudest without getting in trouble or, like, getting attention? You know what I mean? Like, come on. It was yeah. all that dumb, dumb shit. All that dumb yeah. shit. All that dumb shit. Uh, but I even liked the part at the end of the movie where President Barbie was like, we can't be like how it was before. Yeah. And, like, even they are, rec- like, obviously they, they don't, like, instantly give the Kens tons of power because yeah. <laughs> the Kens are... In a, in a loving, kind of hyperbolic way, the Kens are kind of schmucks. Yes. <laughs> but they, even President Barbie recognizes that the full 100% patriarch or matriarchy is no. not something that they can continue. They can't just go back to the way it was before. I just, I can't even tell you how much I loved this movie because it was, it was so accepting of like, change and moving forward and like the real world is disappointing isn't that what she said like Mm -hmm. yeah isn't it always like that and it Mm -hmm. is it was like such a good comment on accepting that there aren't things that you can change but you just kind of have to continue to move forward and and accept the changes that come your way that you can and then mm-hmm. you know just figure yeah. it out yeah I oh, I just loved how it, like it was it had something so important to say but it was still such an entertaining film like the from the dance sequences to the Ken song to the bright beautiful costuming which we could probably do an entire episode just about like the intricacies of the costuming and like the set design Mm -hmm. and all of these things like it was so vibrant to look at it was like the right level of escapism mixed with meaningful conversation absolutely absolutely i and oh go ahead uh, i was gonna say like i had this whole conversation with my husband because I'm a crazy person. I was like, if we win the billion dollar lotto that's out right now, I want to open a studio that only makes original films. Like, only. Only. No adaptations, no remakes, no nothing. Only original stories. 
And I love that this is a story, an original story made for film with the intention of the medium, like in every ounce of it. It was it was 90 minutes, which is a beautiful timeline for God, a feature yes. length film. But I just loved that this was meant to be a movie. It was never meant to be anything else. I know that somebody said somewhere like, oh, do a sequel. And no. I'm like, don't. Don't. No sequel. No, leave it. I don't need a sequel. No. I'm good. This said exactly what it needed to say. There isn't another story to tell mm-hmm. here. No, it's it's exactly where it is. It's exactly what it needed to be. I don't want them to do a sequel. I don't think it would do it justice. I mean, I feel like Greta Gerwig could do almost anything justice. <gasps> it's so like, hard to carry over. <sighs> Like, in a movie that wasn't ever intended to be anything but a single movie. Like, yeah. And it's done so well. I, I, I think it would be very difficult for a sequel to be mm-hmm. as successful. I just don't think we even need we a don't. sequel. I think everything that needed to be said was said. And I, I'm sure the studio would love to make a sequel because it's this movie has made them a billion dollars but I think they're misunderstanding why it's made them a billion dollars though because they because they've talked about how they have all these like other toy lines in the pipeline for movies like Polly Pocket why the fuck are we getting a Polly Pocket movie I I don't don't care about Polly Pocket movie we already have other toy movies. They're called the exactly. Transformers. And then there's, I, I think, Barney coming to. Like, they have, like, a no. whole-ass line of them. And I'm like, I don't I don't need that, and I don't want that. I don't, nobody cares about Polly Pocket. Like, was it a cool toy a long time ago? Yeah. Like, I feel like, and I think they thought that they were probably going to get, like, Toy Story nostalgia vibe type deal. Where I don't think that, because I think... Mm-mm. I know a lot of people who actually went to go see Barbie with that expectation. They weren't expecting what they got. And some people were pleasantly surprised and some people were not. So I just. I don't need a no. Barney movie. I really don't want a Barney no. movie. No, thank you. Um, I mean, I'll just stick with my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which, P.S., I don't think they need to make any more of those. Transformers, which they can also stop making those. Yes, they can stop Uh, making Transformers. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I'm interested to see, like, this one. Because I feel like they just don't ever get it right. I liked the cartoons when I was a kid. They did get it right. And I loved the cartoons as a kid. And the movies that they made in the early 90s are the only ones you need to worry about. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles so- and then two Secret of the Ooze. Are you gonna see are you gonna see this one or no? I might stream it. I wouldn't go to the movies to see it. It's hard to get me to go to a movie theater now. It has to be like really dang good. Or something that I really care about because I definitely went to go see Burt Kreischer's The Machine, which is not top notch cinema, but I love me some Burt Kreischer man. I love him. Everybody has the things. I saw Oppenheimer today. We're not doing an episode on Oppenheimer because I don't have anything nice to say. <laughs> well, I mean, Killian Murphy's chef's kiss. Killian Murphy is the only thing 
remotely nice, I have to say. And Robert Downey Jr. are the only two things I have kind of nice to say, and it was about their acting performances. Not anything else. I saw a video of Prince Harry like walking down a like a a step and repeat or something with Killian Murphy and they looked like there was some not pleasant words exchanged between Prince Harry and Killian Murphy. I have no context to <laughs> it, so I have no idea. <laughs> Anything else other than that? I just saw videos like, oh that's odd. I wonder what uh, is going on there. I don't who knows? knows. But yes, I think this was a great film. I will when it comes to streaming, I'll probably rewatch it like a few times I'm a year. It. Just because it makes you feel the good feels. I'm You're gonna buy, buy it. it. Listen. I Okay. Show me that Blu-ray packaging and I will probably buy it. If it is not Barbie Pink, I will be so annoyed. <laughs> Listen, I know that like I don't actually own this movie. Like, but I will buy it on Amazon because that's where I buy like the movie streaming things. Because I don't, I don't, I don't even have a DVD player anymore. I do not have a DVD yeah. player either. I have an entire wall of DVDs that. Well, we have the PS Five, so we can play Gosh, through the PS Five. Oh, Xbox. Time. I guess I can play them there. I don't know if Xbox plays PS or plays Blu-rays. Yeah, but they play DVDs though, right? Maybe I don't know. I don't ha- like. I don't know anything about Xbox. Sorry, I'm a PlayStation girl. No, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not really a gamer. If I'm being honest, I play Lego. I play Lego games. That's it. <laughs> I mean, I can't talk. The last PS5 or like PlayStation game I played was Kingdom Hearts three, and I waited my 13 years for that damn game. 13 so I'm years. Gonna freaking what? Play. 13 years of development hell between Kingdom Hearts two and Kingdom Hearts three. 13 years. 13 years seems like a lot yes and in between them they they released like a PSP game and like weird mobile game and like weird like Game Boy games none of these I could play because I didn't have any of those platforms and so I had to watch this recap of all of like the other crazy nonsense stories that happened in between 2 and 3 getting released and when I tell you that the story of Kingdom Hearts is hurt your brain confusing. I'm not kidding. I'll have to send you the YouTube oh video God. because you're going to laugh this your ass off. like a whole thing. It's so funny. Oh my goodness. Oh. It's so funny. Well, I guess we're kind of wrapping up with Barbie and kind of moving on to different topics. But I will echo what Melissa said. Absolutely love it. This is my new favorite film of all time. Love it. I will buy it, watch it all the time. It's great. Highly recommend it. Oh, so good. If you haven't, go watch it. It's worth it. It's worth the $10 movie stuff. It is. Tickets. It's worth it. Well, again, this is Mel. This is Jill. And we thank you for kicking out with us today. Thanks for kicking out with us. Bye, Barbie. Bye, Barbie. Bye. Bye.